0: everyone is looking for purpose for a life that matters and we want to be a church that helps people find that this is the collective church podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in london ontario here's this past week's message from our pastor tyler from Good morning. My name is Todd. I'm part of the team here at uh, Collective Church. If you're joining us online, it's a pleasure to have you. If you're joining us in person, it's a pleasure to see you. I am a little bit—I am a little bit more reserved than Pastor Tyler. Just a heads up. It would take me probably 10 espresso shots to project <laughs> like that. So bear with me as we as we uh, kick off here. Um, we are in the midst of a series called Extraordinary, where we are taking a deep dive into the book of Proverbs. Um, We're unpacking the rich wisdom that's written within this book now. Um, For those of you that may not be aware, Proverbs is uh, an illustration of God's word brought to us through the mind of um, a man named Solomon, who was the son of King David. And he eventually uh, overtook as king when King David died. And he um, was tasked with governing over God's people with no experience. <clears throat> and he recognized that and prayed to God for wisdom, and God recognized his humility and blessed him with that wisdom he, that he used to write this book that we are looking at today. Um, now, <clears throat> um, Proverbs, is, Proverbs is an awesome book to read because, like I said, it's, it's full of awesome wisdom. Proverbs is a book that you can you can kind of come back to again and again, and oftentimes you can pick out wisdom that you can apply to your life that is encouraging. Um, but at the same time, there's also challenging scripture in Proverbs as well. There's scripture that you can read and um, feel confronted. There's scripture you can read and feel challenged. Sometimes you read scripture and you recognize behavior that doesn't necessarily align with what God wants, and, and we have to wrestle with that. Um, but what's reassuring about the book of Proverbs and just scripture in general is that there's an undertone of truth always that we can rely on and rest in knowing that God's truth supersedes our own understanding. And we can surrender our own understanding to that truth um, even when we're wrestling in the midst of difficult scripture. Now, notice that Notice that emotion that that truth gives us. For me, I like to think of truth as an anchor. I like to think of God's word, the Bible, as an anchor that keeps me still in the midst of of wavering. And ultimately, um, I feel an overwhelming sense of peace oftentimes, even when I feel challenged. And having that sense of peace is important because... um, once I step out of my home or kitchen table or wherever and we enter the world, um, it can feel like we're hit with this tsunami of uncertainty all of a sudden where we can be, we can experience having to try to navigate everyone, everyone's perspective of their own truth, right? We sometimes we run into situations where we go, people go, No, you need to understand my truth. And no, no, you, you understand my truth, right? And it it can get um, Difficult sometimes when our perspective of truth shifts from God's perspective to seven billion different perspectives of truth. The world can feel and become a very unsafe for us to be. I think, I think one thing we recognize over the past few years is that our world sometimes feels very unsafe. And feeling unsafe can have severe consequences for us. Like oftentimes we feel... Sometimes we feel like we have to compromise what we know to be true so we don't offend others, which is the opposite of what God wants. Even if you're a Christian, if you, even if you consider yourself a Christian, it can be hard sometimes to, um, sometimes we can find ourselves in this situation where we go, I, I know this to be true because this is how I feel. So I want to take some time this morning and I want to just talk about our emotions, um, and before we dive in, I just want to make it per, like crystal clear that these words are just as much for me, probably more so for me, um, as they are for you, right? Like sometimes I feel like as, sometimes we can sit and watch someone speak and think that they have all the, all the answers. I do not have all, if very, probably few answers. Um, oftentimes my, <laughs> my sermon outlines, honestly, like oftentimes it's the verse and then it's all my flaws written down on a piece of paper, and then I try try and connect the dots, and and here we are. So bear with me as we get emotional together Um, and uh, as we wrestle with our emotions as as a church. But before we do that, I want to pray for us. Dear Lord, open up our hearts this morning. Dear Lord, come into the the lives of each and every person in this room and online. Um, Lord, as we wrestle with Scripture that is... Um, challenging for us, I want I would ask that you to remind us that <clears throat> um, your way is the way we should be pursuing and fighting for, and God, soften our hearts as we recognize that sometimes we don't always know what is um, best, and we surrender our understanding to you and everything that your truth represents. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> okay, so a couple verses we're going to look at Today, First is um, Proverbs 29, verse 11. It reads like this. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. I'm gonna repeat that. Fools fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Second verse we're gonna look at is Proverbs 16, 32. It reads like this. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. Now these verses... they require that we self-reflect, right? They require that we seek to understand and um, seek to understand the good and the bad and what does it mean to hold ourselves accountable and control our emotions. I don't know about you guys, but I have, I have a love-hate relationship with my emotions sometimes. On the one hand, I appreciate that God has blessed me with the ability to have compassion for people. And on the other hand, I... I dislike, that I dislike feeling emotionally vulnerable, if anyone maybe can resonate with that also. So there's this understanding of going, my emotions can serve me or, and serve others, or my emotions can be detrimental and harm myself and in the midst of uh, that harm others as well. So before we kind of like dive into each end of those spectrums, let's let's start at the grassroots, Let's start at the grassroots level and go. What are what are emotions to begin with, right? Most of us, to sum it up simply, most of us would say our feelings, right? I, this is what I feel. Sometimes scientists will say that our emotions are energy in motion. E emotion. Um, <clears throat> if you do a quick Google search, Google defines our emotions as an instinctual state of mind deriving from our circumstances, mood, or relationship with others. And then what we do is we divide these feelings, obviously, into subcategories like joy, sadness, jealousy, discontent, motivation, anxiousness. All these are different flavors of emotion. And bear with me as I kind of get, as I dive into a little bit of science, and then I'll intertwine the scripture in there also. But when we scratch the surface and we look at our emotions, um, It's very clear that they are complex. They're not simple. They they exist within um, the largest center of our brains. It's called the limbic system, which is interconnected with a bunch of different other parts of our brains. Um, And our emotions feed and and flow through these different systems and ultimately um, result in how how we react to things. There's a psychologist by the name of Jonathan Haidt, he's written a book called The Righteous Mind, which is a great book, but he illustrates our emotional center in our brain like a giant elephant, okay? Bear with me here. A giant elephant is the emotional center of our brain, and he depicts an elephant because elephants are obviously large, difficult to control, and reacting to things at all times. And what he says is that on top of this elephant, we all have our own personal attorney, We're all living with a lawyer that sits on top of this elephant. And the job of this lawyer is to validate and rationalize and basically interpret how we feel in a way that best serves us. So you think about that for a second. Oftentimes when we make mistakes, most commonly when we make mistakes, before we take accountability, what do we do? We rationalize. I did this because... I shouldn't have done it, but I did it because this is why I did that. And what's important to recognize is that that attorney that lives on top of our emotions, his job is not to interpret the truth. It's to keep us going. It's to keep us feeling good. It takes a great deal of self-awareness to override that and recognize, hey, maybe, maybe there's something beyond what I'm feeling. <clears throat> So once we start to understand ourselves quickly, we become aware sometimes how flawed we are, right? Sometimes we can't always trust our emotions, which is why it's good to be confronted with Scripture that doesn't always feel good to us, right? It's good to receive Scripture that confronts us and challenges us to go, hey, maybe maybe there's something beyond my feelings here. Maybe I need to to apply a filter between... My, um, my reasoning and my reaction, sometimes for us as Christians, we go, that filter can be a number of different things. It can be our community. It can be prayer. We can take a step back and invite God into what we're feeling. Um, or it can be the word. We can, we can um, set some time out, maybe look back into our Bible and say, hey, what does God actually say about this? This. Um, being proactive and, and seeking out perspective is, is critical because for us, <clears throat> I'm sure some of us have uh, come to understand, this, our brains have evolved to disassociate from things that we don't like. <clears throat> Specifically, God talks about anger in this, in this first verse, which is, um, which is interesting. God can paint a picture with any emotion here, but he chooses anger, which I like because <clears throat> if you think about anger, most of us, when we get angry, we react harshly and quickly right we anger is a it's a powerful emotion we see it all the time our culture has become engulfed with people who are angry and sometimes anger is warranted right and we feel entitled to anger in the moment but sometimes anger can over it can overtake us right and the problem with anger is that it's it's such a volatile emotion that if you try and bottle your anger down the damage can be just as severe on the on the inside as it is on the on the outside but God says here that venting your anger is destructive. So what do we, what do, we do with it, right? I had, um, uh, I had a situation once, <clears throat> my old job. I used to rent cars for a living. And I, it was a long weekend. And um, I had about 12, 15 people in my office in front of my front desk. And I had no cars for them. They all had reservations. Most of them minivans because people were taken off for the long weekend. I had no staff with me because I had sent them to go try and find cars at other places. And if you can imagine a bunch of families staring into your soul, wondering <laughs> what you are going to do. And I'm standing behind my computer like this, trying to like come up with a plan. I have no plan, <laughs> um, but I'm trying to keep a straight face. But I'm panicking on the inside. And it was just dead silent, kind of like this, for maybe a half hour. And you can just feel the energy of the people just kind of like projecting on you. And I'm about to lose it. I'm standing like this. Um, But eventually some cars did return. And I'm like hustling. I'm trying to get these people out of the cars that they've rented so I can wash them and then bring them back and give them to the people who have been waiting. And it's like 90 degrees. And I'm doing this, scrubbing these cars, vacuuming these cars. And then someone from the inside the office managed to make their way around. They felt compelled to make their way around to my garage, where I'm scrubbing, cleaning, whatnot. And he starts yelling at me. And I'm like, at my tipping point at this point, I'm like the, you know, as stressed as I can be, but I'm just trying to channel it all into getting this done. And I'm ignoring the guy. And then the guy comes in. He steps into the garage where I'm trying to clean the guy, or clean the the car. And he kind of gets in my face. reiterates this this yelling that he's doing. And then I lost it. I lost it on the guy. And I'm pretty reserved, so it takes a lot. But I actually did, yelling at the guy, telling him to get out of my face. And of course, the result of that was not great, right? Complaints get filed. I'm sitting with HR, trying to explain the situation and why this happened. And their response is, Todd, you just need to, like, not get stressed. You need to, like, you know? And I'm like, you know, thanks, Deb. Like, that's great advice. Like, I'll flog that away. Here's, like, (laughs) it's not helpful, right? Um, (laughs) I say all that to say that, like, most of us are not equipped at processing our emotion um, well. As a coping coping mechanism, oftentimes we act like it's not there, right? We bottle it down. But remember, our emotions operate out of the largest center of our brain. They don't just... Evaporate if we don't know how to take care of ourselves. <clears throat> God says better to be patient than be powerful, which is easier said than done. But what I like about this advice is that God's advice—it um, isn't necessarily binary. God doesn't say um, God God doesn't say like act like the anger isn't there, right? He just says hold it back, hold it back. And for those of you, maybe you work in customer service, you know this you know this all too well, right? If someone goes out of their way to maybe be a little disrespectful or have their way with you, you don't get the privilege to respond the way you like. What do you do? You hold it back, <clears throat> which is difficult, right? It's not, a simple, it's not a simple reaction, and unfortunately, like most things in life, reacting well takes practice, <clears throat> right? Which means the people who have the most self-control Oftentimes, are those who are familiar with getting hurt the most, right? It's like, yo, know, how do you get good at getting hurt? Most of you go, doesn't sound ideal, right? <clears throat> but um, what happens eventually as we get we get used to our environments, our skin gets our skin gets a bit thicker, right? When someone's and when someone's behavior starts to look and feel familiar, and we can see it sometimes from a mile away. That leaves margin suddenly for us to replace anger with grace. <clears throat> when people start to become predictable and transparent, our self-awareness <clears throat> allows us to enter hostile situations with compassion, right? I think about that. I think about nurses oftentimes like that, who, who know what they're dealing with and have to replace their emotion with compassion. Anyone ever been so hurt by someone that you just end up feeling sorry for that person. <clears throat> like someone offends you and you go, maybe, can I pray for you right now? <clears throat> I had that happen to me once. I again, uh, uh, you know what's funny is that I look back at my old job and I go, there's so many nuggets that like I didn't realize <laughs> play, play out modern day, but anyways. Um, I had a woman come in one time, it was 8 a.m. We'd been open for like a half hour and this woman was venting angry mad, like mad mad, and it was kind of a shock, because I wasn't even really awake. But (laughs) (laughs) it was like like 8 a.m., but I remember this woman, she was vividly mad, and she had nothing to do with me, literally nothing to do with me, but she was, you know, projecting, she's venting, Um, kind of like that hurt people, hurt people type thing. Um, But um, yeah, it was like 8 a.m., I was like, lady, we just met. Like, you can't be this mad at me. We just, like, we've only known each other for, like, five minutes. Um, And God says fools vent their anger. And in that moment, I thought that woman was foolish. I was like, what is your problem? But I can look like that woman sometimes, right? Maybe not as harsh, but venting anger can also look like just complaining, right? Venting anger can look like gossip. Venting anger can look like being passive-aggressive. Right? Reacting in a way that, um, that we vent anger can be so destructive because it's almost like we take a blowtorch right, to someone right in front of us. We don't know the damage that we're doing half the time until it's too late. When we're insulting, when we're loud, when we're letting loose, anger anger is a scary emotion because in the heat of the moment, most of us are unaware of the damage we're doing to someone else. Earlier in the month, we talked about <clears throat> speaking life and death with the power of the tongue. And I think about venting anger, and sometimes I go, if we're venting anger, we can, without a doubt, be speaking death to someone, right? And here's the difficult part of it. God says in this verse, fools vent their anger, and the wise hold it back. God reminds us in this verse that we actually have a choice, right? He says, we get to choose how we conduct ourselves. Crazy, right? Like accountability in 2022. Today, what's interesting, we yearn for self-expression, and God calls us to be self- controlled it's that holy intuition that speaks beyond our feelings my favorite part of, of this verse is that god reminds us that as christians we aren't ruled up we weren't we aren't ruled by or victims of our emotions <clears throat> we get to control ourselves and just as a aside which is like interesting <clears throat> in 2022 one of the biggest areas of tension you could argue is human autonomy right we want, to be able to do it. we want to be able to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, and how we want, and how we want to. Yet at the same time, we're, we're terrible at keeping commitments, forming good habits, and controlling our emotions, right? We want freedom, but we lack stability, right? Which is kind of interesting. We yearn for self-expression. God says, be self-controlled, right? Which is the highest form of having authority over oneself anyways, isn't it? Being self-controlled. God says, <clears throat> we go, I want to do what I want. God says, control yourself. We go, no. <clears throat> Not unless I say so. Right? If I'm being honest, I get I get kicked a lot with a lot of the work that I do, and I'm sure some of you maybe maybe do too. We've all we've all experienced our fair share of being hurt by, by others. But for me, I'm often less hurt by what someone says. I'm actually, i more times I'm hurt by the fact that someone decided to say it. You know what I mean? <clears throat> like, there's this, there's, this, um, this, there's this understanding that, that um, even during moments of intense anger, how you, no matter how you slice it, someone has to actually make a decision to vent anger on you, right? You see, we live in a world today where most of us feel entitled to our emotions, but we're reluctant to take accountability for ourselves at the, at the same time. And I'm not sure when. I'm not sure... <clears throat> When we um, arrived at the understanding that just because we, we feel a certain way, that we're entitled to act in correlation to how we feel. But I just think as Christians, we, it's about time we set a better example. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't stress how, how toxic this entitlement is. Like at what point did we decide to allow ourselves to rationalize that it's okay to let our feelings supersede the well-being of other people? Remember how I mentioned that our <clears throat> human behavior can start to become predictable? Here's a scary idea. Imagine this. <clears throat> wouldn't it be diabolical if other people could recognize how predictably reactive we are and manipulate us to feel angry all the time? Right? Like, Wouldn't it be sinister if I could bet money knowing that if I triggered you to feel a certain way, you would react in a way that benefits me? <clears throat> right? Made me money, perhaps? that allowed me to control your attention? Isn't that what's kind of happened to us? Why? Because we suck at controlling our anger. We saw this clear as day during the pandemic. An idle mind is a dangerous, dangerous thing. It seems like every six weeks during the pandemic, there was some new issue that we'd be venting our anger about. And God makes a joke of us in this verse. He says, fools, fools vent their anger, which means that there's an added level of, importance to this verse on the one hand we recognize that we can't love it. we can't love one another well if we're venting anger but then there's this other added layer of knowing that fools who react in anger are actually easily manipulated right and that should be a red flag for us because here's what people who understand the mind know emotions tend to be fleeting but in the heat of the moment emotions can prompt tremendous and volatile action If you look at any historical significant moment or act of destruction, if you follow the trail back, the grassroots of every action is prompted by emotion. And what's even more predictable is when you put like-minded people in a room or in a social network together, all of a sudden, a flame of anger can grow into a forest fire, right? Each person is sparked by the next person. Everyone's emotions start to become catalytic, and then we just lose control. God says, "Fools vent their anger." I want to trickle back to a point I was making earlier about making a choice, because the tail end of that verse it says, "The wise hold it back." Like I mentioned, this it reminds us that we have a say in how we behave. When we experience anger, it's important for us to remember that God never says, um, "God never says experiencing anger is a bad thing." Right? He says, "Venting anger." And harming others is a bad thing, which means we get to choose whether or not our emotions serve us or harm us or harm others. God says the wise hold it back, which means that when we're triggered, we have two options, right? We can, we can let loose. We can speak death and react uncontrollably, un, uncontrollably and live with the consequences, which are almost always never good. Or we can practice patience. can hold it back. In the second verse I mentioned, God says, better to be patient than be powerful. Do you know what scientists say? That if you can hold on to your emotion for 16 seconds, chances are you'll save yourself from doing something you'll regret. Some of us, that might be like 30 seconds, right? (laughs) Um, But here's here's where we get it wrong. Holding it back doesn't mean we bury and bottle down, Right? and then wait for something else to go wrong and then go, (laughs) bury, bottle down further. That doesn't mean that, which eventually you go leads to, what do we do We self-medicate, drink, um, get into things that we shouldn't. Instead, what do we have to do? We have to go up with our emotions. And what I mean by that is we pray, right? Pray, God, take this anger from me right now. God, I'm begging you to take over in this moment. Some of you might do, I do this sometimes. I used to do this a lot. Do the bathroom trick. I go to the bathroom. Not because I have to go to the bathroom, but because I need to be behind a closed door for about two minutes, right? I need two minutes behind a closed door to breathe, say a quick prayer, maybe wash my face and persevere. Um, God says better to be patient than be powerful, which is awesome, isn't it? It's that countercultural truth that holds up again and again. And again, the world says, react now. God says, be patient. Here we are, a culture obsessed with, with power and fueling the ego. And God says, better to, be, better to have self-control than conquer a city. I think what I love most about this wisdom is that God encourages us to exercise some emotional, like, resilience, Right? <clears throat> which should be a call to to action for us in this comfortable culture that we think is serving us. I think most of us are noticing that we are highly emotionally insecure. And we lack the fortitude to do hard things. Our stability, our truth has gotten weaker because we've become too self-indulgent. And what does that insecurity look like? Lashing out, lack of patience, being judgmental, condemning, and truth avoidant. The list goes on. But here's the secret. Like all things in life, and we, we like to talk about this a lot, when we go about it on our own, we fail, right? We tell ourselves we've won, maybe because we've won an argument, um, <clears throat> or we got what we wanted in the end of something. But God sees beyond the superficial. We've, we've, we've lost. We think we've won the battle. God says, you lost the war. <clears throat> this happens to me sometimes. I'll be on the phone with a client, and I know I'm about to win an argument. I'll hang up the phone. Damn straight. (laughs) Have I done anything significant? No. Absolutely not, right? hard time in business, you know, if your customer's unhappy, it doesn't reflect all on the business, we lose, right? You get a spark of, um, you know, your your ego lights up for a second, but the outcome is it's not actually anything good. So I say that to say feeling good ourselves cannot be the metric that we use to measure success. Speaking of success, though, I know, some of, uh, I know there are some people in the room who know what I'm saying all too well, but they also do themselves a disservice. I want to talk to the people in the room who are, who are maybe more like me, and they go, um, <clears throat> they know if they shut down their emotions, they can get ahead. I'm talking mostly, mostly to men, sometimes women, <clears throat> but men especially, because culturally men are programmed to do more and feel less. And in doing so, men get a bad rep for taking things to the, to the other, whole other end of the spectrum where you go, Todd, I don't have an anger problem. I don't, just don't like to feel at all, right? <clears throat> I, have these, uh, I have these awkward like, one-on-one meetings with my, my manager, her name's Jen, and she uh, Jen says, She's like Todd, could you, uh, could you like act a little bit disappointed when people call in to like cancel their memberships? So I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> but it's something she said once, and I, and and it's it's and she's like, can you can you like personalize your like conversation just a bit? You know, get a little personal. No, <laughs> I'm an introvert by nature. I wake, I've got an emotional reservoir. It's very small. I save it for Sundays. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah, anyways, like I, I say, all that to say, I also I also struggle with these things. It's hard for me, um, and it's not because I don't care about people. Um, yeah, my my just my emotional bandwidth is smaller than 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 most. Um, <clears throat> but if we're not careful, I say all that to say, if we're not careful, we can believe this lie. Here we go. Sometimes feeling too much leads to vulnerability which leads to, let's say, transparency, which for a lot of us is like an, a, hum, a humiliating thing to, to think about, right? So we go, it's just best not to feel anything at all, right? Some of us live with this fear of what it might look like to actually be seen. If we let people, beyond, if we let people in beyond our fancy job or nice clothes or our material possessions, what's interesting is, as a culture, as a cultural solution, we, lead to, we, we lean towards being productive, Right, as a coping mechanism, which creates this like creates this illusion that we're processing our emotions well because we're because we're um, pushing our lives forward, but all we're doing is we're just hiding. Right, and then we do this thing where we bring all this suppressed emotion into our relationships. Right, we call that baggage. Um, Anyone ever? (laughs) I don't. Anyone ever in the room dated someone who was emotionally unavailable? Like, don't look at your partner if you're... <laughs> right? Anyone ever been that person? I have. I remember I was in a, I was in a relationship in my early 20s. And uh, during the time, I was, you know, fresh out of school, no money, debt, all the things. And uh, I had one thing on my mind. I knew that I was kind of... I was in survival mode the whole time. And when you're in survival mode, oftentimes what you do, you shut down your emotions. Right? I was doing everything in my power to just... <clears throat> work hard, at work my colleagues, my employees, get promoted, create this fabulous life that I thought I had to have by 30, and I was with someone at the time, and what would happen was I'd come home from work, emotionally drained, no margin for anything, and eventually she was like, I feel like I don't really know you, right, which is what, which was a, Bit of a wake-up call. Um, At the time I was so emotionally unavailable I could never be present. Not knowing how to be emotional also has consequences. What's interesting about relationships is that, um, it's interesting, scientists have actually studied when people break up, um, women tend to have, women tend to feel the emotion of a breakup like more intensely in the moment. But they say that women actually grieve better because they experience what they feel and then they just have a healthy healthy trajectory of moving on. Whereas men, what men do, is we feel and then we go productive, right? We bottle down and we go, how do we channel this into more production? And what happens is, inevitably for men, men wind up in the situation years later where they go, why am I still dealing with this? Like, what am I... What am I dealing with here? I'm dealing with something, I'm dealing with trauma that happened so long ago. Why, what happened? Because when we channel our emotion into something what we think is productive, it doesn't go away. We feel like we're dealing with it, but it still affects us. I say all that to say that women are oftentimes just more emotionally resilient than men, but we're currently living in a mental health crisis, right? If any of you are aware of the suicide rates for men versus women, discrepancy is major right? Why? Because we suck at processing our emotion. In these verses, we're talking about God is prompting us to be in control of our emotions, but that doesn't mean that we bottle down, self-medicate, or channel our emotions into other things. God wants us to be patient and invite him into our emotion. God has given us the ability to feel for a reason our ability to show compassion <clears throat> and act in urgency for others is a gift <clears throat> and if we're not careful we can be just as destruct- destructive if we're closed off though in emotion emotion list. I mentioned earlier that self-control comes with practice however what I should have said was <clears throat> going to God with your emotion takes practice <clears throat> right like what would it look like if we added a, a layer of meeting with uh, God between our feelings and our reactions. Remember, 16 seconds <clears throat> for most of us is all we need. And then afterwards, once the dust has settled, we go, okay, where are my, where are my outlets, right? Do I have people who I can call on, who can, who I, who can receive my emotion and give me perspective? Notice that word perspective. <clears throat> perspective is not simply, hopefully, not the response we always just wanna hear. We have to hear the truth. We need people around us that will tell us the truth. People who aren't afraid to go, hey, I understand your frustration, but you were actually wrong. You were actually wrong there. Do we have people like that in our lives? Are we willing to listen to those people? As a church, we utilize our, our co-groups in this way where we are intentionally connected with people who aren't afraid, we aren't afraid to be transparent with. Right? People who aren't afraid to, to see us, all the mess and the mistakes and the frustration. There's an element of doing life together that allows God to work on us through other people. And what's interesting is that um, oftentimes you see in, a, in co-groups, you see a spark, even just a spark of vulnerability often leads to healing. <clears throat> right? So here's, here's what I think we could all do a little bit better. <clears throat> One, we need to practice controlling our emotion, but not burying our emotion, specifically anger. And two, we need to practice letting God into our emotion in a healthy way. <clears throat> I said, I think about, um, I think about the mental health crisis we're in. And a, <clears throat> part of me, part of me wonders that, wonders if we could solve that problem if we simply allowed ourselves to be vulnerable with each other. Because if we look at the problem, <clears throat> and then we look at our culture, the logic just doesn't really makes sense right like if statistically we're more anxious fearful and committing suicide but at the same time we're hiding our feelings bottling our fear just so we can be more productive should we can't are we really surprised at where we're at <clears throat> what would it look like for us as christians to open to be open with god with everything everything that we're going through our experience as imperfect human should really bring us closer together and to god than it brings us apart are we brave enough to let people in past our walls are we brave enough to let God in <clears throat> what's reassuring is that about being vulnerable is that uh like God already sees us anyways right <clears throat> but we get to choose we always get we always get to choose we can do it our own we can do it on our own we can self-destruct or we can go to God who's loved us from day one Before we created this this image of who we think we are, God loved us before and he loves us now. He loves us so much that he gave us this this scripture as a reminder of our natural human flaws and it really is simple. God says, you wanna do this, but I'd recommend this. Sometimes we can read scripture and we can feel apprehensive or reluctant to live in a way that doesn't align with how we feel, mostly it just feels really hard. Right? So as a church, I want to invite you to the this is gonna be really hard party every Sunday here at 10 a.m. Bring your kids. Because as a church, we want to be known as Christians who step into hard things and are resilient. We're not alone and we're not alone. We want to partner with you. We want to do life with you. And that includes the good, the bad. And the Ugly, if you want to learn more about Collective, I'll be at our next Step table at the, uh, <clears throat> at the back, and we, can, we have a prayer team. They'll be up front here, and they, they can pray for you. Um, but on behalf of our church, I want to remind you that you are so loved by God. You are so loved by us. I'm going to pray for us, and then we will worship <clears throat> together. <clears throat> Dear Lord, I am so thankful and um, Appreciative that you give us scripture that is confronting and um, and that allows us to self-reflect and look deeper into our um, our behavior. And God, I just ask that <clears throat> you remove any walls or blockage that's preventing us from reaching you and reaching each other. <clears throat> God, I ask that as we go into the world, that we exemplify you and what it means to love and care for. Other people. And Lord, I ask that whenever any of us in this room or online experience moments that are difficult and prompt anger, that you allow that to subside and <clears throat> instead replace that with joy, love, care, and compassion. <clears throat> Lord, I just want to ask for a blessing across each and every person in this room, online, in the world, <clears throat> moving forward. God, <clears throat> lead the way. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you Sunday.